Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Samson, he's heading down to Timna. He is so excited. He is on his way to arrange a marriage. Yes, he saw a Philistine woman, and he was so taken with her. She is so beautiful, dude. She is so hot. He decided he must marry her. Now, he doesn't particularly know her name, but he knows that she lives in Timna, and he saw her there, and he is so excited. It looks like it's all going to work out. He's going to have this beautiful wife of the Philistines to be his. But the problem is, he's heading down to Timna with his mom and his dad. He's probably walking with Manoah, his dad, on one side, and his mom, who has no name, on the right side, and they are not happy. They're probably talking to him, pleading with him to not marry outside of their ethnic group. Don't marry outside of the Israelites. You're not supposed to do that, says Manoah. It goes against the Torah, says his mom. It goes against the law. You're supposed to marry within our people group, and you can't marry a Philistine. They're oppressing us, says Manoah, probably. They've been oppressing us for 40 years. You can't marry one of them. Marry one of our own daughters, says Manoah. You know, marry a, a, a good Jewish woman and raise good Jewish kids. Because remember, you've got that Nazarite vow. You are dedicated to the Lord. I can imagine Samson flicks his long hair. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I am under a Nazarite vow. But Samson, he's older now when the last time we met him, and he's maybe a good-looking guy. He's probably buff, or is he? That's the big question with Samson. But I imagine he's, you know, taller, handsomer, and he's got that long, flowing hair, and it just looks great. And Samson, he's thinking it's all about me. Because when he went to his parents it says there in judges chapter 14 that when he went to his parents the only thing he said to them was that he saw this daughter of the philistines at timnah and it and he says get her for me for she is right in my eyes that's what he says get her for me dad she's right in my eyes she is right she is cool she is beautiful she is Somebody that he sees and he lusts after. Now remember, in the book of Judges, right? Everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes. They're just living for their own lusts. They're just living for their own desires. They're just living for their own truth, what is right in their own eyes. 
And here Samson is saying, get her for me, even though it goes against what the Bible says, even though it goes against what my mom and dad want, even though it goes against what Yahweh wants for his people, get her for me. I want to marry her. Why? Because she is right in my eyes. And so he's walking along. And probably his mom and his dad are pleading with him to change his mind one last time. Maybe they stop to take a breather and he wanders off a little bit. Probably slips through some trees. And there it is. He'd been here before. He'd walked this path many a time to go spy on this beautiful Philistine girl in Timna. But along the way, he liked to stop and stare at this beautiful vineyard. See, as a part of his Nazarite vow, one of the things he could not have is grape juice. He couldn't eat any grapes. He couldn't have grape juice, grape jelly. He can't have wine. He can't have anything that comes from grapes. Nothing. And you know how it is when you want something, but you can't have it. The one thing you want is the thing you can't have. And I can imagine he's at this vineyard looking at those beautiful grapes. And he reaches out to grab one. And his parents are far away. He's doing his own thing. When all of a sudden, out of the bushes, it says a young lion. Starts to jump on him and and his big claws come out. This young lion is starving. It's hungry. It's been waiting in the bushes ready to pounce. Samson should have been killed, right? Human beings can't fight lions. I mean, this is a lion in the prime of its youth. It can take any prey at once, and it is on top of Samson. But then it says in Judges 14 that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Samson, and he... Probably the claws are sunk into his flesh. Then the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Samson, and he gets superhuman strength, and all of a sudden his skin turns to steel, and blink, blink, the lion's claws pop out, and he's like, uh-oh. And I can imagine Samson just gets muscular and picks up that lion by the scruff of its neck, and crushes it. And then it says in the Bible that he grabs this lion and tears it apart like he would a young goat. That's what Samson in the power and the spirit of the Lord did to this lion. Like it was nothing. That must have been amazing for Samson to experience. This is one of the first time he experiences this strength that comes through the spirit of the Lord coming upon him. Earlier in chapter 13, he'd experienced it, but here he'd seen it, and that must have been amazing. And he leaves, and he comes back, and he's probably out of breath, and his parents are, what, what's wrong? Oh, nothing, nothing. Just uh, had to go for a walk. Everything's good. Everything's great. Let's keep moving. It's fine. And he heads down to Timna, and it says that Samson does not tell his parents a thing keeps it all to himself. Why? Well, number one, his parents probably would have been disappointed that he was breaking his Nazarite vow by wanting to go taste some grapes. But secondly, he's not allowed as part of his Nazarite vow 
to touch anything dead. He can't touch a dead body. And here he has this lion, this dead carcass. Again, he's breaking his Nazarite vow. And thirdly, I wonder if he's thinking this power that comes upon him. I wonder if he keeps it to himself. Because he doesn't want his parents to know yet. But there was something superhuman, spiritual about it. And, well, he keeps it to himself. And they walk down the Timna and... After a little bit of bartering back and forth, the parents of this beautiful daughter of the Philistine says, Yes! Woohoo! Marriage is on! And then they head back. And then they prepare. And then finally, it says in Judges chapter 14, after some days. Now, we don't know how long this is. It could have been a week. Maybe he came back down. It could have been months. It could have been a year. We don't exactly know, but they arranged the marriage. They went back home, and now they are headed back. The wedding day is on, and Samson is by himself. And probably, typically, Samson, you know, I can imagine he's running behind because sometimes I think he's not that bright. He's probably thinking, oh, man, I thought I had more time. I, I wish I'd set the alarm on my sundial to wake me up. And his parents are probably ahead of him already at the town of Timna, setting up the celebration. And he's got to catch up because back then when you got married, you celebrated for a week, seven days. That's how long you celebrated. So you had to go up and set stuff up and get things going. And here they are there at Timna. And I can imagine Samson's leaving home a little late and he's heading there and he's getting thirsty and getting hungry along the way because I should have made a sandwich, dude. I should have made something to keep me full on the way. And then he comes to the vineyard. And he's like, dude, I wonder what that lion would look like now. Boy, I bet he looks gnarly. I bet he looks really good. And so he goes over there, pushes through the brush, comes to the vineyard, and he goes over to where he threw the carcass of the lion away. And wow. The most amazing thing he'd ever seen. Inside the carcass of this dead lion, some bees had made a hive. And these bees had made honey. Now, it's interesting. It talks about the swarm of bees there in Judges. Well, that word for swarm can basically be translated community. This community of bees. These bees had made a community right there inside the carcass of this dead lion and had produced some... Oh, Oh, look at that, says Samson. That's honey. Oh, raw, fresh honey. And he sticks his hand in. He takes out the honey and mm, lets it run down his chin. Oh, this is good. Oh, this is awesome. Oh, man, how am I going to? Oh, it's nice and sticky. And he mm, licks it off his fingers. And he's like, hey, I got to get some for my parents. I got to get some for that. And so he gets some of the honey. And he, I don't know how you actually carry honey without Tupperware. But, but you know, I can imagine he puts it in a pouch and has these bags of honey. And he brings it and he goes, here you go, dad. And he's dripping himself in honey. And he's like, his dad opens it and he's like, wow. Where'd you get this honey, son? And Samson's, well, you know, 
Samson can't tell him. So Samson doesn't say a word. Why? Because again, is Samson allowed to touch dead bodies? No. The honey is inside a dead body. He's just broken his Nazarite vow for the third time. He's still got his luscious long hair. And many people think that's all God wanted out of him was to keep his hair long and that would keep his Nazarite vow. And maybe that's true. But other people say Samson keeps breaking his Nazarite vow. The thing that makes it a vow is not Samson. Because he's faithless, some people say. Instead, what makes it a vow is that God is faithful. Samson lets God down time and time again with this Nazarite vow. He's at this party for seven days. Well, guess what? Back then, they're passing around the wine, and you, as the bridegroom, had to drink some wine. Well, guess what? It's fermented, and it's from grapes, and that breaks the Nazarite vow as well. But it doesn't seem like Samson cares. And maybe at this party, Manoah and his nameless wife are sitting there and they're watching Samson break the vow again and again by guzzling wine, getting drunk, I don't know. And I wonder if they're thinking, does he not know that he's consecrated to God? We've told him that story about the, the angel of the Lord going up in the smoke from that flame and how he's a special person and consecrated to God from birth, and that's why his hair is long, and he's under a Nazarite vow. Why? 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 Maybe this whole party, their hearts are being broken, but Samson doesn't care because he's doing what is right in his own eyes, and he likes the woman he's about to marry. Why? Because she's right in his eyes. Well, during the party, Maybe it was after the, the, the first day. Or maybe it was as the first day comes to a close. Samson's thinking, you know, what we like to do is we like to give a riddle. I, I went to a party once, Samson is thinking, and man, this guy had a really cool riddle. And we the whole party guests had to guess it and, and work it out. And when we didn't work it out, we had to give him some money. I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. What, what sort of riddle could I... <gasps> that lie and I bet I could come up with a riddle on that and he starts doing some rhyming schemes in his head there once was a lion his name was Brian and he no 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 that's not a good rhyme you know there once was some honey and it had lots of money no no oh oh wait 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 I got it and he stands up on the table he goes dudes listen now by the way this party was packed because the daughter of the Philistine brought the party with her it says she brought for Samson 30 companions, 30 other dudes to hang out. He didn't know them, but hey, they're there to party. And so he gets all the 30 young men around him and everybody else. And he goes, listen, I'm going to give you a riddle. And if you guess this riddle, you get 30 beautiful changes of clothes and 30 linen garments. Now, linen garments were these big, long pieces of cloth that people would wrap around themselves for clothing or sort of like a toga thing. And then to have a change of clothes. 
to not wear the same thing every day. If you had one change of clothes, you had some money. But here he's going to give 30 changes of clothes, enough so you could wear a different outfit every day for the month of November. You had to be super rich. This is a lot of money. Samson is offering it, and then all they've got to do is guess this riddle. And so all the guys gather around, everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, give us your riddle. Because they're thinking, Samson's not that smart. He can't come up with that good a riddle. And Samson leads in. He goes, all right, dudes, here's the riddle. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And the men look at each other and they're like, whoa, that's actually hard, dude. I thought he was going to do like a limerick or something like that. But that, that's actually hard. And it sort of rhymes. C could you say it again? And Samson says, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Guess that, dudes. And he drops the mic and he walks away. And the men are thinking, whoa, I wonder what it is. Because they'd agreed to this bet. If they get the riddle, they get 30 garments of linen and 30 changes of clothes. But if they get it wrong and they don't get the riddle, they have to cough up 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. And they're thinking, we don't have that sort of money. We don't have that. Well, the party goes on. Day two, day three. And remember, this is a seven-day party. Around the fourth day, these men are starting to get nervous, and they're pacing back and forth. Out of the eater came something to eat. Hey, one guy goes, I bet it's a chicken. Nope, nope, nope. Out of the, out of the strong came something sweet. It's, it's a brick. A brick? Yeah, it's a brick. A brick? What's a brick? No, you're an idiot. Out of the eater came something. It's, it's a chicken brick. Seriously, you, you just need to go away. Just, just walk away. You are useless. And they're walking back and forth and they can't get it. And then they see Samson's beautiful bride. And she's a Philistine just like them. And this is around day four. And so they go over to her and they grab her and they pull her aside. And they say, listen, you've got to find out the answer to this riddle. You have got to find it out. And if you don't find it out, well, guess what? We're going to be super, super mad. We're going to shun your family. No. That's not what they threaten her with. I mean, if that was it, I think she could handle it. No. Instead, do you know what they threaten her with? They say, if you don't tell us the riddle, we are going to burn down your house. And we're going to burn your father's house down with fire. We're going to burn both of them down if you don't tell us what this riddle is. I mean, that's that's pretty brutal and that's pretty hard. And the woman's thinking, I don't want my parents' house to be burnt down. This stupid riddle and you better find it out. And so she's like, what do I say? And so later that day, she's like, hey, Samson, yeah, that's, that's going to be cool. We're going to have... 30 linens and 30 changes of clothes. That's cool. Hey, hey, what's the answer to the riddle? You can tell me. And Samson's like, dude, I can't tell you. No, no, it's all up here. And he points to his head. I'm not telling anybody. 
well, then maybe day six, he's starting to get a little drunk and a little tipsy. And she's like, now's the time to do it. And she goes over, hey, Samson, hey, how are you, beautiful daughter of Timna? And she's like, please, please, hey, tell me what the riddle is. I really want to know. I think it'd be so cool to lord it over my friends. And he's like, well, here's the riddle. And then he, wait, I can't tell you. He says, no, I'm not telling you at all. It's a big, big secret. Well, day six rolls around. and She's starting to get nervous. And then day seven, and she still doesn't know. And then... She turns on the waterworks, and she starts to cry, and she starts to weep, as I can imagine. She starts to throw a fit, and she's like, please tell me, Samson. I want to know. I want to know. I'm your wife. It's not fair that you know, and I don't know. I'm your wife. And she starts to cry, and it says that Samson is so pressed hard. She will not give up. She keeps whining and whining and whining, and she presses him hard to tell her. So finally, Samson breaks. As all good men do, when your wife really wants something, you're like, I should do that. You're right. And he gives in after fighting off for three days and finally says, all right, and he tells her, it's honey inside a lion, dude. She's like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I killed this lion. And then when I went back, honey was inside of it. Isn't that amazing? She's like, whoa, that is amazing. Well, you go back to the party, dear. And she goes over and tells the men. And they're like, yes. And they're thinking, you know what? Samson's been strutting around like he's really cool. And we can't let him get away with that. He had a good poem at the beginning. Well, we're going to have a cool poem in reply. So they start writing one up. And it's nearing the end of the seventh day. And Samson and his bride are about to head off into wedded bliss. The party's nearly over. And I can imagine Samson stands up at a table and goes, All right, dude. Do you know the answer? Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And the men of the Philistines reply, What is sweeter than honey? <gasps> Samson steps back. What is stronger than a lion? Samson's thinking, wow, number one, that is poor rhyming scheme that didn't rhyme at all mine was a much better poem and then number two he's thinking what they got it i can't believe it they got it and he looks over at his beautiful bride-to-be and her head's probably bowed maybe she's shaking in fear because she's worried what samson's gonna do or maybe she's got a smile on her face Maybe she shrugged. I don't know. But Samson knows. She told them. And Samson looks at those men. And they're laughing. Because they just got 30 linens and 30 changes of clothes. Expensive stuff. And Samson gets angrier. And he gets angrier. And then he replies with a poem himself. He says, if you had not plowed with my heifer, and he points at his bride. 
You would not have found out my riddle. He's calling his bride to be a cow. He's calling her a cow. That is not a cool thing to call your wife back then. It's still not a cool thing to call your wife, I'd like to say. But he called her a heifer. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have never found out my riddle. And it says, he walks away, and then the Spirit of the Lord, it rushes upon him. And he goes down to the city of Ashkelon, which is right on the Mediterranean coast. And he says, I've got to get 30 changes of clothing. And he goes down there and he found 30 men of the town and whack, just struck him dead. Just killed him. Grabbed their clothes, took it off of him. All right, that's one. Start fighting with the other one. Because these Philistine men probably knew this was a Jew. And they're oppressing these people. And here's this guy attacking them. And he starts to fight another one and kills him and takes their clothes. And then other men of the city start to come and they start maybe attacking him at once. But again, he is fighting in the spirit of the Lord. And he takes out 30 men. And he brings back these changes of clothing. And he lays it at the men's feet. Now, some people think that word spoil, it's not clothing that he brought back. Some people think he brought back their swords, the things they used to defend themselves. And he just threw it at these men's feet in this act of defiance. These men had all this stuff to protect them, but I killed them. Do not mess with me. And it says the Lord used this whole incident as a way to begin to get at the Philistines. Like I said, Manoah and his nameless wife were upset and so hurt by what Samson had decided to do. But it says there in Judges that the Lord, this horrible situation, the Lord meant it for good. Literally says his father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. And this horrible situation in their family, God turned for good because he was going to use Samson despite himself. And I think that's the message of this story. Number one, Samson lived for himself. He knew what the Old Testament law said about marrying outside of the faith. He knew what that meant, but he didn't care because he did what was right in his own eyes. And he saw something that was right in his eyes and it was a beautiful woman and he just wanted to consume his lust and live for him. Man, there's so many of us doing that these days, right? so many people just living for me, living for what I want to do. And yeah, I've got this Nazarite vow. I've got this long hair. I, I claim to follow Yahweh. But my heart is far from him. I just want to pursue me. But where did Samson get his strength? Where did he get this amazing ability to tear apart a lion and to kill 30 men and all by himself with his bare hands. Where did he get this ability? It wasn't his strength. It wasn't him. 
it was the spirit of the Lord. Any success he has in life is from God. Anything good he has in life, anything good that Samson does comes out of God working in his life and working through him. And I just want to encourage you, if any of you are in a situation where it looks bad and you've made some wrong choices, I want to say God can use it for his glory if you let him. Here, Manoah and his wife were looking at this horrible situation, probably shaking their heads. But behind the scenes, God is working. God is moving. He's doing all things for Manoah's good, for Samson's good, for, for the good of the nation of Israel. It's just amazing. God was using this, right? How? Because when Samson fights the Philistines and defends and kills 30 of their men, that news starts to travel. That news starts to get out. And now the Philistines can't push on into other parts of Israel to oppress other tribes within Israel. They've got to go back and take care of this Samson who's starting to cause them some problems. Basically, Samson never leads an army. He never does. It's more like guerrilla warfare. He's by himself doing his own thing. And I wonder, what if Samson had said, you know what, I am going to obey the Lord completely. I'm going to keep this Nazarite vow, not just with the long hair, but I'm going to completely avoid dead carcasses. I'm not going to eat anything of the grapevine. What if he had said, I am going to follow completely as best I can. I am going to obey. How could have God used Samson. What more could he have accomplished? I don't know. But I am thankful we have a God of grace who uses us despite our flaws. And I just want to encourage anybody. I don't care how far you've fallen. I don't care what you have done. God can still use you. If you're willing at this point to put your faith and loyalty and trust and believing faith in Jesus, his son, and say, fooey with the rest, I'm going to follow him. And then just obey. Just obey. You'll be amazed at what God can do with you. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.